0: Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. It is Twitter Thursday. I am your co-host, Brian Peacock. Alongside me, as always, is the scout, Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. You can find this podcast and all the shows here on the Locked On Podcast Network on all of your favorite pod. Cast apps. We will get to those tweets. We have a bunch of good ones and a lot of good topics to get into, Matt, on this Thursday episode. I want to start with a little, and this is Thursday evening when we're recording this because of timing. We couldn't get it done on a Thursday morning. So Wednesday evening, a nice little nugget for us here from Adam Schefter, who said the NFL playoff structure is about to be changed under the current CBA proposal. Seven teams from each conference will make the playoffs. With, the only buy per conference, with only one buy per conference, sources tell ESPN, it would go into effect this upcoming season. And he says, under the current transformational proposal of the collective bargaining agreement that NFL owners are pushing for, there would be more drama at the end of the regular season and six games on wildcard weekend. So that is a big shakeup to the playoff structure. And Schefter makes it sound like, it's going to be changed. It's more than just a proposal. And I I guess the owners do have that much power. They're like, well, this is the proposal. So that means this is going to happen, but what do they have to give up?
1: Yeah. And I kind of saw this coming and I I didn't originally like it, but I was kind of told when I was up at Steelers training camp that this is get, get pretty used to this idea. And I like that only one team gets a buy and as a Steeler guy, that would have been the seventh seed the last two years. Ah, that's a little two two years too late, there, folks. But that's <laughs> such as life. Uh, um, I, I do like it. I think. I mean, the the buy being such a treat now, I think, is a great great reward for the first place team. We get more playoff games, so you gotta love that. I mean, wild card weekend's gonna be exciting as could be too. So, I'm in.
0: Yeah, there's there's a few things. Obviously, more football, more playoff football is, is a good thing for more fan bases and obviously more money around the league, which means more money for the players and for the league as a whole. But it's more football games, and I know players are worried about adding more games. They're still talking about a 17th regular season game too. So if they add a playoff game and a regular season game, or maybe that's the solution here is they're going to add a playoff game instead and not expand the regular season.
1: But That's what I was thinking too. Like I I mean, don't you think that ideally – And I just don't know how the calendar works, like two preseason games instead of four. It looks like an extra week of playoffs, a 17th game. But I also think you need an extra buy if you're going to give me 17 games, too. So definitely. Yeah, where'd the extra week come from?
0: You would definitely need an extra buy there. And I guess they would just have to either extend it deeper into February or start the season sooner. Um, Yeah, it's it's doable. Yeah, it's definitely doable you know, the, the preseason thing is weird because they're throwaway games to a certain extent, but there's also guys fighting for jobs. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I think there is a use for say a third preseason game. I don't know if dropping it down all the way to two really helps because I think guys do need some time to get ready and they have to figure out the bottom of their roster as well right. and let those guys play it out and get some reps. Some players do need some reps. I mean, if it's, so inconsequential, why have
1: and guys yeah. trying to make teams, too?
0: Right. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a perfect answer for it, um, but there's going to be more football. I think that's pretty clear right now. Here's the other thing that I think that is the domino effect of them changing this in the new collective bargaining agreement is if you're a free agent right now, do you not want to sign a big deal yet because that deal might be a lot bigger a year later because of the new CBA and more games and just more money around the league?
1: It's a great question. I mean, in this sport, I think you'd basically take the, take the money when you can, because who knows what your, if your knees are going to hold up one more year or whatever, but boy, I mean, with, I often bring up the betting money coming in a new CBA, more money through playoffs. And obviously that means more television and all the above. I got to think a couple of years from now, inflation is going to take another bump for player contracts.
0: Right. Yeah. I would think so. And it could that that the new so the cap this year is supposed to be around 200 million dollars give or take maybe a little bit under but if that grows a bunch all of a sudden after the new cba i mean that's going to change salary structures too for a lot of position groups and it's interesting i don't know a lot of things it'll impact a lot of things just by adding even if they only went as far as to add the one extra playoff team
1: right right i mean it Again, like the Steelers would have been in this year. They would have been the team last year. The Vikings would have been the seventh um two years ago. I'm trying to, th- I guess the Rams would have probably been in this year. I mean, the Steelers offense is a snooze fest, but of those four teams, I mean, the Steelers twice, they were all fun to watch. You know, like my worry with this many games, with this many teams going in is I don't quite want it to be hockey and basketball where regular season games aren't that important and half the league goes to the playoffs.
0: Yeah. And you don't want seven or eight win teams regularly right. making
1: the playoffs either. Right. I mean, if you go to 17 games, I mean, I would think probably it'll take you, you know, nine and eight is probably the bottom. I mean, I don't know that eight and nine teams would end up getting in very often or with much regularity. I would think, you know, seven and 10 teams probably have no shot. So Adding one more game kind of helps with that, I think.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, that's, I don't know. It's interesting. You get so, Nate, you know, here's the other thing is, and it's just, and I, I can't get over the way that Schefter worded it because he says NFL playoff structure is about to be changed. But then he says in the but next back. sentence that it's a proposal by the owners. So is it a proposal or is it a done deal? And you know, if you're in charge of the players association and you're in negotiations and the owners give you a proposal, your response should be, okay, you can propose in one hand and you know what, in the other hand see which one fills up faster, right? There's got to be some bargaining <laughs> going on here. So when does the proposal become, oh, this is changing next year?
1: Yeah. And Adam knows the stuff and is obviously super dialed in by the way that you just you know, the way he structured it that you just said it makes me sound like, hey, we're going to propose it, but it's the best for all of us. The pie's going to get bigger. Your contracts will get bigger, as you mentioned before. It's happening, folks.
0: Yeah, so hopefully that money trickles down to the players and the fans get an extra game on Wild Card Weekend. And that's all good things.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, and it doesn't water down the playoffs too much.
0: Let's get into this Twitter Thursday mailbag, shall we? Absolutely. Okay, I want to talk about... Actually, this is our guy, me, again. He comes strong with the questions. M-double-E on Twitter, he says, Kuiper mocked the Lions taking a quarterback, so what if the Lions already know Patricia isn't their guy? They draft a QB of the future, trade Stafford, and let Patricia take the blame for the season.
1: (laughs) We talked about this a little, and I, I know that when ESPN does their mocks, they don't do trades, so maybe Mel's just saying, I think Tua goes here, and I don't want to screw up the rest of my mock by letting him fall to five. You know, we've talked about this top five situation a lot. But Mel's also pretty dialed in. And maybe they really are considering trading Stafford and Slay and really are starting over over with Tua and a cost-controlled young quarterback with or without Patricia. Um, to, to, to me's question, though, I'm not sure that it would be we know Patricia isn't the guy. Therefore, it's we know this is this isn't going to get it done. Let's start from scratch and blow it up and start over. Or Stafford's back's a problem. I mean, that, I, I think we can't. We always talk about like Cam Newton as boy, he's health. You know, all the health dependent. I don't know. We can just assume that Stafford's healthy as much as I'd like to.
0: That's a good point, and you can't know exactly what those medicals look like. Behind the scenes right now. And the other side of this thing that, and we had talked about this a little bit before, and I thought about it a little bit more with the Lions and a quarterback at three. And we saw it with the Arizona Cardinals last year, even though they had just taken a quarterback in the top 10. You owe it to yourself and the organization. Everything else be damned. If you really believe that you have that guy at quarterback that's on the board and you have a chance to draft him, you have to draft him. So, In that scenario, it's almost like okay, if you do your evaluations and you set up your board and you think, Okay, two is gonna be a top five quarterback in this league and be a Super Bowl winning caliber quarterback and Stafford's on the wrong side of thirty, like you have to do it. You have to do it even if you don't get anything for Stafford in trade.
1: Yeah, and considering Tua's situation too, that doesn't mean Stafford doesn't start sixteen games for you this year, you know, and then you trade him after the year or revisit it once to a red shirts for a year kind of like Mahomes.
0: That's a great point. And the Stafford to a thing, that doesn't mean that they have to be exclusive of one another. They can be together for at least one more year on the Lions and then basically mm-hmm. Stafford's auditioning for another team.
1: Yeah, like the Alex Smith role.
0: That's very interesting. And I wonder what you have to know the person too. Is Stafford the type of guy he seems like he would be, you know, not a complete jerk about that sort of a thing and it's not a situation where the quarterback is there to take your job that year because they're redshirting shirting Tua knowing that he's not going to play I wonder if that changes the dynamic from one quarterback trying to help out another
1: yeah I don't know about that but and I can't obviously speak for Matthew Stafford but getting out of Detroit doesn't sound so terrible <laughs>
0: yeah I mean what if he's the heir apparent to Tom Brady in New England or something
1: right right I mean there's some pretty green pastures out there
0: Staying on that quarterback topic, and by the way, I think it was a great point by you about Kuyper not having any trades. He's saying, look, a Tua's going to go three. I don't know if it's going to be the Lions, it's going to be somebody. Tua's going here. So just placing the players where they're going to go more so even than, than what team that is picking there at this point.
1: Right, right. Because I mean, then it screws up the rest of his mark.
0: Sticking with the Tua subject, Rich says, if Miami misses out on Tua, do they still have to draft a quarterback and maybe settle for Herbert? like in uh, the mock from Monday? Or can you see a scenario where without Tua, they just load up on talent at other positions, go, in, go all in on Lawrence for next year?
1: I think it's possible that they don't go quarterback. I mean, I think it's highly probable that they do. I mean, they have three first-round picks and in an early, early second, so they're going to have a lot of cracks at non-Tua quarterbacks if they can't get up and get him. But I mean, there's also, I mean, I guess a lot of the quarterback carousel will have happened by then, you know, that maybe Derek Carr and Bridgewater and Winston or whomever, Dalton are no longer even options that you can't go get a young guy. I know Rosen looms, but I'm kind of just not bringing him up on purpose, but Fitz is good enough to get you through another year. That's a tough call. I mean, to to your point of if you think there's a stud quarterback there, you almost have to take him no matter what. I also don't like the idea of we better leave this, this draft of the quarterback, yeah. even though we're not so sure about him. I mean, that's bad business,
0: right? That's where mistakes can be made. We talked yeah. about the Christian Ponder draft and there was the right. Jake Locker pick and all of these picks where it's pretty clear that a quarterback was artificially moved up into the first round yeah. and drafted by a team that should not have drafted him there. And, That's a, I mean, that sets your franchise back, so you can't do that either. So you're right. You owe it to yourself to take the guy if you fully believe it, and you owe it to yourself to not be stupid and and ruin the next three years of your franchise by taking the quarterback that doesn't deserve to go there.
1: Yeah, and with those four early picks in the top 35-ish or whatever, you may add two offensive linemen to go along with two free agent offensive linemen, an edge guy, and a defensive back. And all of a sudden you plop a quarterback in there next year and wow, I'm actually protecting the guy and there's people around him.
0: Bradley has a good question about some playoff teams. He says, which of the playoff teams this year do you see regressing next season?
1: Well, let's spit them off then. Let's go east to west. The Patriots. I think that's highly possible. I mean, I, you could go broke, you know, uh, doubting Belichick, but they're old across the board. Who's their quarterback going to be when you say fall off? I mean, I think there's a very good chance the Patriots taking a step backward and their great defense has a lot of free agents on it.
0: I could see the that Bills, going either go, way. Go ahead, with the pa- yeah. With the Patriots, I could see that going either way. They could, you know, bring Brady back obviously and maybe add some weapons for him on offense. Maybe even if the defense regresses a little bit, the offense could be actually a little bit better Next year, and they're pretty much the same team we saw this year in and in a, make a potential long, deep run into the playoffs. But I mean, Brady goes, all bets are off. Who knows what that team would look yeah. like at that point, even with Belchek being as great as he is.
1: Right. Are they going to be able to really find a true tight end? Are they going to be able to replace? Are they going to be able to mimic the defense they had? Defense doesn't hold up year to year as well as offense, which brings me to the Bills because the Bills. Are almost the exact same version of a year ago Bears, you know, with quarterbacks questionable. Some mm. like them, some don't. But erratic, still a work in progress. Very defensive driven, and kind of like the Browns this past off season. I think they're going to be the hot pick in Vegas to win the East. You know, the king is dead. There's a new team going to win the division and i like the organization and they have a lot of cap room so they might get a lot better on paper but be careful because that model that team building model the the football outsiders of the world and people like that will tell you they might be a little more fragile than you think and a small thing like my my turnover margin advanced turnover margin thing i did they were one of the teams that was lucky enough that the opponents missed the most field goals in the league against, you know, like they're not, probably not get quite as many bounces.
0: That's an interesting one. I could definitely see the bills being some version of the bears and a team that, you know, nobody thought the bears were going to, I mean, I I guess you weren't as high on the bears coming into this year. So you kind of called that one a little bit and teams can fluctuate so much. I think I like the situation. The bills have a little bit better for stability than where the bears were at, but
1: including can, coaching and, yeah. you know,
0: yeah. And I can definitely see those parallels. And I think there's a better chance. This time last year, I still believed in Trubisky's ability to continue to develop. Now that I, we've gone through the 2019 season, I'm absolutely in belief that Josh Allen's in a better situation to continue to develop than what we've seen with Trubisky. I'm like, I'm completely off the Trubisky bandwagon at this
1: point. Yeah. Oh, I am too. Um, but like in Ve- when the Vegas win loss totals come out, Betting the under on the Bills, whatever the number is, might not be so. Might not be so dumb.
0: But then we talk about the Patriots falling off; that could help the Bills' ascension as well. So the Bills could be in I think that that's situation. Where everyone's going
1: to look at it, right? Right.
0: And so maybe that's why that line's artificially high, or maybe that actually happens. And who knows? Maybe the Bills run that division for the next ten years after Brady's gone.
1: Yeah, they might. It's possible. Um, uh, some other playoff teams. I I don't see Baltimore dropping off. I don't see Kansas City dropping off. Maybe on Houston. I mean, yeah, O'Brien seems to keep them above water a high percentage of the time, and I love Watson.
0: I think there's potential for them to not be a playoff team, though, just because you have the Titans and you have the Colts in the division, and uh, those Mm -hmm. two teams are going to give them heck. But I do like the quarterback situation with Watson, and even though I don't love Bill O'Brien in charge there. um, uh, How are they going to get better at this point with their situation and draft capital? So... I think Houston is a good one. I think on the other side, the Vikings, who we talked about yesterday with Luke Braun, there is a kind of a bleak picture painted there with their cap troubles. They were supposed to be able to win in this window with Kirk Cousins, and it was just a quarterback away, and now some of their veterans aren't playing as well, especially on the defensive side of the ball, potentially losing a bunch of players in the secondary. That could be one that goes south if uh, Stephon Diggs forces a trade. There's a lot of ways that that one couldn't go well either.
1: Yeah, I kind of want to bring that up when we had the Vikings conversation of, is the window closing? And I could see a picture where it is. You mentioned the Titans. The Titans, I think, could drop off, too, in that you're probably only going to bring back two out of Henry Tannehill Conklin Ryan, Logan Ryan. And what if Tannehill turns into a pumpkin? You know, I mean, that's not crazy talk. Or Henry looks slow and old. You know, slow and beat up. So I think Tennessee could. um, I'm with you on the Vikes. The Packers, I just don't think are a very good roster. And Rogers wasn't great, but I bet I'll pick them to win the North.
0: And even though I'm a 49ers guy, I'll throw the Niners out there just because. I mean, you're talking about regressing. They went to the Super Bowl, and teams that lose the Super Bowl, we saw it with the Rams the year before. It's a it's a tough road it's back to grind, mentally yeah. and to grind through that think The 49ers might be in a little bit of a better situation than where the Rams were now that we look back on it. But I mean, how far do you have to regress to regress from being a Super Bowl team, either?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, they look awfully strong, but I said the same thing about the Rams a year ago and they didn't make the playoffs. Um, tough, I don't think so. tough
0: division. I, I would say the
1: same thing about Seattle, though, too. I mean, like, right. they have Wilson and Carroll, so they probably aren't going to quote fall off. I mean, Wilson is just so good. But that's not a good roster. I'm sorry. I can't buy into that being a good roster.
0: No, but that's why I think that Seattle could actually be better. And that's where that NFC West picture with the 49ers and the Rams, I mean, is so strong. And I think the floor is even going to be raised by the Cardinals getting better. And the Seahawks, mm-hmm. you've, we've seen them not fall off, even though they lack the talent. I think they're in a really good cap situation. They've got a bunch of draft picks. I think they have six picks in the first four rounds. They could actually continue to get better and be a better team. And then over Good the next point. couple of years, with Russell Wilson still at quarterback in his prime, versus getting worse, so I don't think they're going to go away either. That MC West is going to be rough next couple of years.
1: So, I mean, your point with Seattle is if Wilson and Carroll are constants, you think the the rest, the you know, is probably going to be better next year than was last year.
0: Yes, probably and, will be. Right? Right, I think we've seen the worst and they were still a playoff team of them rebuilding on the fly. As long as they hit on some of those picks, they spend their money well. They have some money to spend, so they're in a situation where the the worst part of their rebuild on the fly is over, and they were able to keep themselves afloat, and they should still be a pretty good football team.
1: Yeah, and the last team is the Eagles. Uh, I would buy stock in Philadelphia right now. I mean, I, they've been the most injured team in the league for two years running. That won't keep up. I'm still very much a believer in Carson Wentz. If he was a stock on the stock exchange, I'd be buying Carson Wentz right now. I think it's a strong organization. Um, I think they'll be able to really attack the receiver and corner positions this offseason and we'll be in good shape.
0: All right, we're going to come back. We've got more Twitter questions on those. some of those same teams we just mentioned. There's some interesting questions here regarding some of those coaches that we'll get to next. Go Pats. I can tell he's, and he's a frequent listener and a frequent tweeter into the shows, and shout out to everybody who frequently gets involved with these Twitter mailbags. Go Pats. I can tell he's getting a little bit worried about what's going on in New England. He says, how much longer does Belichick keep coaching? He's 67 years old. Do you think he gets another ring, or is he halted at six? And he says, uh, finally, B.D. Peacock, I'm struggling to adjust to the new rock-infused locked on NFL intro jingle. The old one grew on me. Oh yeah. We had to, we had a a whole shakeup, a network wide with some music licensing. So we have our own music licensed for some of these shows. And so we went with a little bit of a rock theme. I didn't even run that one by you. I just threw it on there one day, Matt, and forgot to ask you about it. How do you feel about the new intro music?
1: I was going to say, we should have explained that to people too. That's a little earth shattering for people. All of a sudden, that'd be (laughs) like, like me saying, Hey, you know, there's going to be a co-host with me from now on. Oh, you know, that's big news. And go Pat's as you said, is a very frequent dude. Um, Twitter Thursday extraordinaire. And I'm going to call you out. I, I love your loyalty, Go GoPats, but you should know me and us better that I have no clue how long Belichick's going to coach.
0: <laughs> he's going to do what, exactly what you think he's not going to do. So if you right. think he's about like done...
1: get in his head for five minutes. You know? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. And if you think that uh, he's going to go for 10 more years, he'll show up one day and be like, you know what? I'm going to yeah, go hang out enough. on the beach with my fam.
1: And that's right, it. Right. I have no clue. I mean, I still think he's the best coach in the league. So he isn't losing it.
0: I mean, he's a lifer. He'll, you'll, you'll we'll have to peel him off of the field, right?
1: I would think his family would hate him if he quit. Like, <laughs> why don't you go back to <laughs> yeah, work? Yeah. Will you
0: get <laughs> out of the house? Get out <laughs> right. of here. Right. Oh, that's funny. Uh, and another coach, this is the Packers defensive coordinator from Coach Lammers. He says, why does Mike Petton still have a job?
1: It's not a bad question. I, I mean, I kind of learned this from Greg Cosell, who I think is one of the absolute best in the business and has done a really long time that he will never call out assistant coaches and having been in the building, I understand why you wouldn't because so much goes on and we don't know half of what we think we know, but to the, to coach Lammer's question, he's another good uh, contributor. They're so unorthodox and aggressive and you watch them just getting run on over and over and few adjustments and not prepared for basic things against that Niner team. And, you know, guys like Gary out of Michigan who they drafted last year fit in perfect because he didn't really play in a real disciplined scheme in Michigan. And he was as best as a freelancer and that's kind of what they want. Just go make plays. I don't think that flies.
0: That's a tough one. And, after watching that, and I don't know if the coach here is a, is a a bitter Packers fan, watching that domination from the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. But when you watch that game and a team is able to do the same thing against you over and over and just beat you uh, into submission, yeah, that He's raises expected. some questions. And Pettin's always been one of those guys to me. He's not quite as far as Greg Williams. Greg Williams is probably my least favorite assistant coach in the league. There was obviously the uh, the Bounty Gate stuff with him. Just his style of coaching and Saw it with the uh, the Hard Knocks when he was on there. It's like, okay, you you dropped the perfect amount of F-bombs. That's great, but what do you really have? What kind of answers do you have for your team? You can try to get guys to you can yell at them, try to get them to play hard. I get a little bit of that vibe from Mike Pettin where he's playing a yeah. role more so than he really has answers for his players to go win a football game.
1: Yeah, and you know, like Greg Williams on Hard Knocks, is, I have eight jobs lined up for me that I could have taken. And, yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Sure <laughs> you do, you know. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> you know, go buy whatever.
0: another visor.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, enough.
0: you know. Uh, let's finish this off with Jordan Long, our guy Jordan from the new Locked On Ducks podcast, hosting the Oregon Ducks College podcast. Shout out we to might Jordan. We have, have
1: him on for a segment to talk Herbert. Yeah,
0: we should talk Herbert and some of those Oregon prospects sometime. I'm yeah. sure he's got some really good intimate knowledge of those players. Uh, he asks, have defenses always been this keen on dropping safeties down into the box? It seems like defenses are trending to the safety linebacker hybrids and i wonder if it's a new thing or something that's been evolving for a while
1: it's a new thing i mean i remember and it wasn't that long ago mark Barron, Dion buchanan like okay these are college safety strong safeties we're gonna move them to linebacker and wow that's revolutionary i mean I, it wasn't it was 10 years or so ago that if you were a big heavy in the box safety we don't need you, you know, like you're a run stuffer, you're a fullback, you're a nose tackle, basically. I mean, you're a dinosaur. We don't need that guy. We need people that will cover. Well, people got smart and said, what if we put LB by his name instead of SS? Well, yeah. then all of a sudden he's a fast cover guy for a linebacker, you know? Right. He's really the same guy, and he's being asked to do a lot of the same things. You know, he's lined up in the box as the eighth man, or he's scooted over a little closer to the ball. But basically he's doing the same things. I do think more than ever, safeties are being asked to do more. You know, it used to be, we play a lot of cover too. I have one side, my buddy has the other, or I'm the free and he's the strong and they're not real interchangeable. But I think the demands of the safety position are much greater now than ever. And I also think the rules are really rough on safeties where you can't take people's heads off over the middle anymore
0: yeah you can't intimidate which was a big factor especially with those box safeties of the past it's a great point it's just you just change the name the the letters next to their name it's still the same type of a guy and the key is everyone has to cover so whether you're a straight linebacker and you weigh 250 pounds or you are a bigger safety and you weigh 220 or you're a hybrid you have to be able to cover and you need your your players that aren't rushing the quarterback to be able to cover the rest of the field. And basically I look at it as nickel is the new base package and the old base is more like a sub package now. So you have to have five. We need to start a
1: petition that 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 needs to be the case. Right. Exactly. Let's start calling five defensive backs base because that's what most people are. And then we'll call you know, a four, three heavy or, you know what I mean? Yes. So like that, that
0: that third linebacker is a sub linebacker and almost a jumbo package. And that nose tackle is a jumbo package player and the slot cornerback is the true starter.
1: Right, right, right. And, and you mentioned it, the, the 250 pound linebacker that's, uh, between the tackle hammer, he's the dinosaur now, not the strong safety because the strong safety became a linebacker.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. And there's been guys in college that people thought, oh, this is a big safety. We're just going to move him to linebacker in the NFL. And that works until there's some, for some reason, for, for some people, the reason they moved to linebacker is because they couldn't cover. Well, if you can't cover, then you can't be a linebacker either. You They all have to cover. So that might not even work. I'd rather have a linebacker who might be a little bit bigger and even a little slower footed, who's smart and knows how to z- play zone coverage more so than someone who weighs 10, 15 pounds less, but still can't cover, even though he might be a little faster
1: and can't take on the run. You know I mean? Yes. And, and I watched a lot of that with Mark Barron this year. I mentioned him earlier. I watched every snap, obviously the Steelers and he was safety turn linebacker, but when the Rams drafted him in the top 10, that wasn't the plan. I mean, that kind of worked out to some degree, and the Steelers are probably going to cut him. Not that he's a bad player, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't Ryan Shazir as a cover guy. You know, I mean, he, he wasn't a plus plus cover guy as linebackers go. He's a plus speed guy, but that doesn't mean he was great in coverage.
0: And this, and we got to wrap this up because uh, this conversation could go for a while, but it, it also makes me just think with, with the way the NFL is going and how teams are putting. Rosters together and they have to pay more guys and safeties are absolutely being asked to do more, which means they're going to get paid more and there's fewer shutdown corners in the league. I think the cornerback position, I mean, you have to lean heavily on your pass rush if you can, but I look at the five defensive backs that we're calling your new base that used to be known as the nickel. You're talking about your slot <laughs> corner, your two outside corners, your two safeties. I almost look at that as an umbrella coverage as like an offensive line where it's a unit. You have to have five good ones. Cause if there's one really bad one, it's going to kill your defense. Just like if there's one really bad offensive lineman, it's going to kill yeah. your offense.
1: Yeah. And you go out there with one bad defensive back against Sean Payton or Andy Reid. I mean, that guy's in for a long day.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree there, but yeah, it's it's a new, It's a new idea, and it's fun because then you have teams, like we just talked about Seattle, they play a little bit of an older school brand of football, but if you go big and everyone else is gearing up for the pass and you have a bunch of small linebackers out there, maybe you can bully teams. And the 49ers, for Mm -hmm. all of the innovations and how great of a a play caller is, and for a young head coach, Kyle Shanahan has a little bit of old school in him where he likes to run the football, and he had more... 21 personnel with fullback on the field on offense than any team in the league. And we saw them go into the playoffs and roll over teams in sort of an old school physical bully way, even though it doesn't look quite like it used to look when teams were bullies in the run game.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think more than pass is better than run. I think being different than most teams is a huge advantage, whether that's the way Baltimore plays on offense or the versatility of the Gronkowski Brady Patriots or, you know, a Kamara in New Orleans or, to your point, playing against a fullback a lot of snaps. I mean, those linebackers never saw fullbacks in college.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's a great point. So yeah. You are just kind of zigging when everybody else is zagging and that's uh, it's going to get even more so in that direction if we see more teams go out try to spread it out try to cover all these wide receivers and have lighter linebackers then teams are going to be able to counter that maybe with being more physical again so it's an interesting Mm -hmm. chess match out there in the nfl
1: yeah you need versatility and i i I bring up gronk a lot as i really think gronk might very well be the best player of this generation you know quarterbacks aside because there truly was no answer i mean if you're going to play him with light people, he's going to hammer you. And I don't care who the running back is. I mean, if you're going to put heavier guys out there, then you got that 250-pound linebacker trying to run with Gronk. You know, like there's some players there's no answer for. And I thought he's about the best example.
0: Right. And I think that's why we're going to see George Kittle reset that tight end market yeah. because of his value, because he will literally block people off of your TV screen and pancake People like crazy, but he's also a dynamic weapon and can run after the catch and runs a four or five, and he's so hard for a defense to deal with.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, Matt, good stuff there. Thanks to everybody for getting in those Twitter questions. We'll do it again next week on Twitter Thursday, and we'll be back again tomorrow right here, Locked on NFL.